Welcome to Books in the Freezer, a podcast dedicated to the deliciously disturbing world of horror fiction. And it's that time of year. I am with OG host Rachel to discuss our favorites, our standout reads of the year 2021. So Rachel, welcome back. Thank you for having me again. I got to say, this is definitely one of my favorite holiday traditions at this point. I mean, other than like <laughs> seeing my family and celebrating holidays, but uh, I really like coming back. So hopefully people don't mind hearing my voice once again. Uh, it's been a really good reading year for me, I got to say. Um, maybe it wasn't just because I knew I was coming back on the podcast, but because of course we do like to focus on new releases uh, in these episodes. I made it a goal to read as many 2021 releases as possible. I'm almost at 100. It's not just horror. So there is a lot of like fantasy and science fiction in there too. But I read a lot of new releases and I had fun just jumping on the like hype train for all of these books as they're coming out and finding out which ones were worth the hype and which ones weren't. Uh, <laughs> but I've got to say, yeah, looking back and compiling the list for this video, it was, or this podcast rather, I do videos on YouTube, of course. So I'll give that Freudian slip. But <laughs> I've got to say that it was a lot of fun to do all the reading and then you know you get the good results of actually having some really good recommendations for all the categories that we set out how about yourself what was your reading year like it was good it was a little bit all over the place as i was mentioning earlier i got you know i transitioned back to full-time work and my reading unfortunately like qual not quality quantity wise like went down a bit um but this year i read so many more new releases than I think I've ever read. <laughs> you too? That's yes. fantastic. <laughs> and I also look forward to this every year, just getting to talk about our favorites. And I love it because we have different opinions. I was just going to say that because that's yeah. always my worry is when we come to the list if people don't know, we have like a Google Doc and we kind of like, you know, know what different categories we're going to be talking about. And I always worry that I have like kind of my favorites and I'm like, okay, well, if she really wants to talk about this one, I'll put in this one as a backup. But for the most part, we ended up going in different directions. And as many new releases as I have read, there's still ones that you have on your list that I haven't gotten to. And so it actually worked out really nicely. It's not like we planned and said, well, I'm reading this book this year, so you're not allowed to read any by this author and we didn't like divide and conquer but it actually worked out nice and it's not even that I think our tastes are that different I guess you know we just kind of go in you know kind of different rabbit holes and sometimes we crossed over so I know there's a few books on your list that I'll be co-signing and nodding along mm -hmm. as you're talking about and vice versa I'm sure yeah well it was funny when we were on the podcast together because it would be like if you mentioned a backlist book and it's like oh, well now I have no reason to read that because Rachel's already mentioned it yes so. <laughs> and I was just thinking if uh, you know there's a good argument to bring me back not that I had to twist your arm you were so kind to invite me back but that is a nice thing I think that you know throughout the year people have an idea about what you're reading since you'll kind of line it up with different podcast themes and episodes but I always like to think that if someone doesn't follow my YouTube channel the Shades of Orange then besides that they don't actually know what I've been up to and so hopefully I can bring a few books to your listeners that haven't necessarily you know gotten talked mm -hmm. about on the podcast and kind of slip those in just because it's always that balance of again like I spend so much time gushing about my favorites that I personally feel like everyone knows the 2021 releases yeah. I like but again not everyone personally follows me online so hopefully like I said I can bring some new recommendations there and um, as we'll talk about in a moment your list always gives me influence about what I want to read next year which we'll talk about in a moment yeah well this year I definitely picked up books 
because of you that you had mentioned last year like I read Moon of the Crusted Snow because it was one of your 2020 favorites yes that made me so happy when you saw you talking about that online I don't know I think this is going to be a surprise for people because I think I guess if you don't follow me on like Goodreads or Storygraph I don't post that often about what I'm reading and that makes as sense. much yeah yeah and for sure and even with when you're doing like a podcast episode I imagine especially now as you've been reading horror for years and years if you're doing a theme on you know whatever the topic is like sci-fi horror it doesn't have you aren't, aren't necessarily rushing to read three sci-fi horrors for that episode because you already have a backlist of you know different subgenres that you've read before and you can pull up something that you haven't discussed in years now or just never fit into a podcast episode before you know so never underestimate the my powers of procrastination. <laughs> if you follow me on Goodreads, you'll definitely say like, huh, Stephanie's been reading a lot of books that have like this very similar theme recently. It's like for reasons. Don't reasons. judge me. I got to admit though, I went into a reading slump, um, I think in the summer. And I do remember specifically going on Goodreads, finding your friend account, and then looking you up to see what you were reading because I needed some recommendations. So... Uh, definitely don't think that no one's creeping on your Goodreads account because I am. <laughs> I don't know about the rest of the internet. Oh, man. I also got a book talk earlier this year. Yeah. Can we talk about that you're a celebrity now? <laughs> I am not a celebrity. Okay. Because you're too polite to brag about it. How many subscribers do you have on TikTok? <laughs> like 42,000. That's insane. That's insane. <laughs> it is. I mean, I feel like there's other you know, like bigger book talkers. I think it's just a bigger platform. Like people that are big on there are like huge. So I feel like I'm like, mine is still fairly middling. <laughs> it's impressive though. I Thank still, you. I still have not gotten on the book talk uh, bandwagon. I think I'm just afraid to get into that rabbit hole and just get stuck there. So I'm still on Instagram. And I have a lot of people message me being like, we can't find you. What's your account number? You know, and YouTube now has this thing. They're trying to compete of course with uh, TikTok. So they have their shorts. I put out one. I regretted it. It was, it was awkward. I, I deleted the one I had. So I don't know if it's for me. I do better in the longer form for whatever reason. I guess more time to get out all my thoughts and hopefully people are more forgiving if it's not this like short, concise little clip that people watch obsessively over and over again. I think, well, especially TikTok is so like algorithm focused. You just have to throw a bunch of stuff at the wall and like something is going to hit. Yeah. Oh, I know. I can only imagine the YouTube algorithm is still a mystery for me. I always will I'll plan a video and be like, oh, this is going to do really well. Oh, yeah. No one watches it. And then something else I will do on a whim. Like I remember uh, probably one of my most watched videos is the scariest books I've ever read. And the thumbnail is me screaming at some books. I remember our tour, my son fell asleep uh, like last minute for a nap and I had nothing planned. I think my hair was wet. It was storming outside. There was so much background noise. And I was like, oh, what could I film in 10 minutes? And that ended up being one of my most watched videos. And I'm like, kind (laughs) of wish I'd put a little more effort into it and, you know, a little better in terms of sound quality, brushed my hair, you know, little details like that. So you never know. Yeah. I mean, and on TikTok, that is the kind of stuff that gets the most traction. Like the my most popular videos are like, oh, these books were so gross. I couldn't even finish them. These are like... <laughs> yeah, what is it about us? That, yeah, it's always like the most disgusting, the most disturbing. There's something... I mean, no one ever clicks on a video. These are like the most middling horror books I've ever read. <laughs> I've had people request like fridge books um, and I haven't got around to making that TikTok, but I'm like... Listen, 200 people are going to watch this. 
<laughs> it's so true because either it's books for scaredy cats or you know people who are afraid of yeah. horror books so you have those kind of beginner intermediate you know room temperature ones or people want straight to the wall scare me and yeah make it as terrifying as possible so what are you reading now? Well, I'm not going to pretend that I'm not looking at my Goodreads to get the titles here. <laughs> uh, I have two on the go right now. So one is The Croning by uh, Lard Baron, if I'm saying his name right. Uh, it's my first time reading it. Thank you. I was going to say, fact check me on that. Uh, so I'm reading it with my patron book club, and I just started it, and I don't know what to think about it. I know it's cosmic horror. It supposedly has an element of black magic or witchcraft, which is why it got nominated, because we were doing a month on witch books. And yeah, the first chapter is all about a retelling of Rumpelstiltskin. And then the next chapter, which I'm in now, and I'll stop there in terms of synopsis, but it shifts to a father and um, husband who's also an archaeologist. And I don't know how the story is all going to connect. So I'm too early in to have any actual opinions on it. So if people have finished up, they can definitely uh, chat about it after when this podcast goes up. Um, but I'm also reading a true crime book, which I don't do a whole lot of, but that is The Killer by Design, Murders, Mindhunters, and My Quest to Decipher the Criminal Mind by Anne Burgess. And as you would expect for the title like that, all the content warnings with a book like this. So it's definitely freezer worthy in terms of that uh, but what it is about is the first female profiler so if you're familiar with the story of mind hunters it does follow a similar narrative and it does discuss the same original serial killers that were profiled so it's not necessarily giving me new information in terms of the serial killer profiling but what it does is talk about her experience as a woman in this new field and of course uh, you know the trouble that or challenges she came across having to deal with the fact that you know she's very much a woman in a man's world and even her co-workers really struggled and they would they would tell her about this gruesome case they were working on and then they would apologize to her you know being like embarrassed to be talking about this in front of her because it would be inappropriate and it's it's an interesting book for sure I'm about halfway through and I'm liking it quite a bit Ooh, I like that that does sound interesting how about you uh I'm reading two books I'm reading uh one book well because I have two prompts left for the 2021 Books in the Freezer Reading Challenge. And one of them is a book in translation, which I'm surprised it has taken me up until November. Yeah, last year to... was your year of translation, if I remember. Yeah. And yeah, you better finish so... that challenge. I will hold I you know. to that. I was... <laughs> and I have an audio book set up for the other one, which is like a book that came out when you were 17. Uh, so for that, I have Just After Sunset by Stephen King. Nice. That came out in 2008. So... I am reading Out by Natsuo Carino, and this takes, well, this follows a group of women who work at this box lunch factory. They work the night shift, and one of the women snaps and kills her abusive husband and enlists the help of her co-workers to help dispose of the body. And so, you know, they're all kind of equally implicated in this crime and, like, the consequences of that. I've heard amazing things about that one. It's a little bit hard to get a hold of, I think, because it's, a again, translated work. Uh, but, yeah, I've heard amazing things about that. It's supposed to be so dark. It is pretty good so far. I got it um, 
I don't love using Audible, but it was available on Audible. And I was like, you know what? This has been on my TBR. It is at least accessible through here. So yeah. I had a credit. And I'm like, I'll just use it. Yeah, I <laughs> think this. that's one of their Audible exclusives, which is the one thing that pulls me back. I'm much more a fan of LibroFM otherwise because they do all of the uh, support of independent bookstores. But yeah, the only thing that Audible keeps pulling me back in is those exclusives. And I curse them every time I, I give them another I credit. That and then I think the Matt Wiselowski like six stories series is another one where I'm like, dang you, Audible. Ah, uh, yes, it's on my wish list. I, I keep waiting to pick it up. It's good, though. Uh, yeah, I'm on like the fifth one, which is like the last one that's fully come out yet, I think. I think that's the 2020 bunk. But yeah, Out has been pretty good. You know, I love thrillers. I kind of love these multiple POVs. I love messy characters. And I love stories that are very interested in dealing with consequences, Yes. And like really following through on that. It is very dark, uh, but I'm really, really liking it. I will say one thing I'm not liking about it, though, is that it is pretty fat phobic. Like there's a fat character and the way she talks about, you know, the way she her internal monologue about herself is rough. But the way she is viewed by every other character is not great. And if there was something I could change about this book, I think it would definitely be that I understand that these women are supposed to be caricatures and it is kind of saying something about you know beauty standards and stuff but it is rough those are rough things to read I'm so similar I can read so much disturbing content in terms of like you know violence and all of the things that normally are content warnings in a book but fat phobia and just you know disparaging of people's bodies is something that just really bothers me these days and I think it's just you know more reflection of kind of where I am in my own space of really you know honestly accepting kind of where my own body has has taken me and so it's funny how yeah I can read the most disturbing scenes but then all of a sudden you know that fat phobic language comes up and I'm like oh, I, you know this is kind of bothering me and you know it's like why did nothing else bother me I don't know but yeah, yeah like a woman strangles her husband to death and they dismember him in their tub that's totally, totally fine. fine totally fine <laughs> I don't care <laughs> we're such like-minded readers and then the other book I'm reading comes out next year but it's a like horror thriller called Cherish Farah by Bethany C. Morrow and it follows uh, these two teen best friends you're in the POV of Farah they're like the only two black girls in this golf club gated community um, but Cherish has white parents she was adopted and the term that Farah uses for her is like white girl spoiled Farah's parents are going through a hard time financially so she's kind of been living with Cherish's parents but you're in her POV and she is this like really manipulative like super smart gauging everyone's reactions like has a plan on how to like use people I love like POVs like that Mm. so it's been really fun it reminded me a bit of did you read the turnout I know you really like Megan Abbott I started that one but I didn't get to finish before the library stole it away (laughs) but I do like I do like what I've read so far because that's her ballerina one is it not her newest release Yeah, I'm interested to see what you think about it. There's like a hypnotic tone in the writing that I find is a bit similar. Yes, that's why I like to do her books on audio because I feel like she just has a really good cadence to her stories. And I don't always notice that if I'm just physically reading the book. But when it's spoken out loud, like there's just a really good rhythm that I always love about her books. So I'm game. Even if it's not like the most twisty thriller, I think she just writes really biting 
complex characters, especially female characters. And if you followed me when uh, I was on the podcast, it's definitely a theme that I love then and still Mm -hmm. love today. Well, do you have anything you would like to change for your 2022 reading broadly? Yeah, I was thinking, so what I'd like to say is I want to read more 2022 releases. Uh, So (laughs) just because I enjoyed reading so many new releases this year, I really do want to continue on, obviously, reading a lot more 22 releases than I did this year since they're not out yet, um, except for those of you that are reading ahead. But besides that, the other thing I actually want to focus on is working to find really good backlist tour. And all I mean by that is I focused so much on new releases this year that when I went to compile my YouTube video of my best backlist horror, I realized that I read so little that it was actually a little bit of a struggle looking to find my five-star favorites out of that. And it's not like there aren't amazing books out there, but because of the podcast, I read a lot of horror for a lot of years. And I'm just finding that because I'm getting gravitating to new releases that I'm not necessarily finding those hidden gems, those older books that are still absolutely worthwhile. So it's kind of a balance between reading all the new releases, but then really taking some time to scour the internet, maybe get some recommendations from some good bookish horror podcasts that I know for some backlist titles that I haven't actually gotten around to yet because I like to round it out and not just follow the buzz. How about you? It's funny because that's, one of mine too was this year was full of so many new releases because I had so many author interviews this year like yeah. I think more than any other year um so I was constantly like having to finish this book so I could talk to the author <laughs> about it but I'm like you know what I need to go back to reading some backlist horror that's funny because yeah I just thought of that off the cuff but it makes sense that yeah it's like it's so fun to read all the new releases but then sometimes you're like I'm not really getting to these like ones and especially if they're on your shelves and you're just you know they're staring at you Mm -hmm. and it's like well you know you got to prioritize exactly if you have someone on the podcast and you had some amazing interviews this year I've listened to all of them I don't think I missed any they were so good oh thank you it was crazy and I do have some already lined up for 2022 like right at the beginning of the year so I am excited, but also I'm like, maybe December is just going to be like (laughs) reading those 2022 books to get like pre-caught up. All right. Well, should we get to the big one right off the bat? Sounds good. I feel like we always do this wrong, but I, I still like to do it this way. Let's start with the best 2021 novels that were published in the current year. And yeah, you can go first. Yeah, we don't follow the Oscars formula <laughs> where we start. No, we're just going to give it to you right off the bat. If you want to turn it off, you know what? You already downloaded it. Ah. It already counts for me. Joke's on you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. But for real. So, okay. One of my favorite books this year, favorite, favorite, was Slewfoot by Brom, which, like, I, before I read it, I looked up your review. <laughs> And you were kind of meh about it. And I was like, well, like, I don't know. But I listened to the audiobook and just absolutely loved it. I felt all of the emotions right away. Like certain characters were introduced that you're supposed to hate. And I hated them with every fiber of my being. And then I just was really invested in this story. And that surprised me. In a way, I just was not expecting. Sorry, go on. I was just going to say, for the record, the only thing I said about this one is I am not a big fan of historical fiction, especially set around that Puritan era. So I believe I said somewhere in my review that this book was not for me. So I'm definitely glad that it didn't steer you away from picking up. But yeah, continue with the gushing. (laughs) 
Which is funny because now after reading this, I'm like, you know what? I think I do like historical fiction, especially set in this era. (laughs) One thing I didn't think I was going to connect with was the different creatures that were introduced, like the like more fantastical elements, because that just tends to be what turns me off. I just there's books here that you liked that I just don't connect with because I don't like fantasy. Like as soon as like things start getting too into the realm of fantasy, my mind just is not connecting to it. But I was just so full on in this story in a way that I think shocked me. And it's beautiful. It is a beautiful object, like the hardcover book. I fully agree. I'm not sure when you're posting this episode, but if anyone needs a last minute Christmas gift, I think that would make a beautiful gift because like it's hardcover. The illustrations are gorgeous. If anyone's not aware, Brom does his own illustrations. And they're, I say beautiful, but also absolutely creepy in the best possible way. I have interesting definitions of beauty. <laughs> well, um, a tour Nightfire sent me like the, the book and they sent me a poster, which when we get like a new house and I can have like a reading space, I feel like I'm definitely going to put the poster up of just the, the cover art. Like oh. I love it so much so I want to start by talking about one um, that ties in well with one of the author interviews he did this year so my recommendation for a fantastic book published in 2021 in terms of novels is Red X by David Demchuk and this is a I guess it's technically a historical horror book but I don't think about that because it's set um, in the more recent times so like starting in like believe the 70s and it's a story set in Toronto Canada yes I cannot get through an episode of Books in the Freezer without bringing in the home country Uh, but it's where the author is from and so this story is about a time period which actually happened here in Canada where a group of young typically young uh, gay men were disappearing out of the city of Toronto they were presumed to just have wandered away to have left home to uh, you know just no one knew what happened to them and to this day there are so many disappeared uh, persons that have never uh, their story has never really been told or discovered what happened to them and so the author these really horrific sad events that happened and it was just such a shame the police just did not do enough to f- try to find these men again because they were marginalized and uh, just did not get the same press attention so the author takes this story which is very personal to him writes it in the city of Toronto and then weaves it into a horror narrative and this this is one of the most difficult books for me to pitch and describe because it draws a line between fact and fiction and even after rereading it today I can't fully put my finger on where that line is between what really happened and the author's experience and what was a fictional addition to the book because it jumps throughout time following these young men as they're disappearing and of course with the premise of it being a horror book it's a question of you know is this uh, a serial killer are these men just you know leaving town and disappearing or is something more supernatural going on and then within the book the author takes the time to pause and break the fourth wall and the book becomes incredibly meta as the author shares his own personal story within the book I will admit I read this book the first time and I didn't even fully know what to think about it. I will say that 
just, you know, I'll put that out there that I was not quite sure how I felt about this book the first time I read it. I labeled it as one of the most unique horror books I've ever read, and I do stand by that. It was not until I reread the book, and I actually did it on audio the second time. There was a fantastic narrator who does most of the book, and then the author himself, David Demchuk, uh, breaks in and does his own parts where it's written as the author. And their dual narrative was so powerful that I completely fell in love with the book. I could not stop thinking about it. I became so emotionally invested. I found it terrifying and I was almost crying by the end of the book. I have not had such an emotional reaction to a book in a very long time. It's easily become not just one of my favorites of the year, but if I were to make a new top 10, top 20 favorite horror list, it would absolutely be on there. I cannot recommend it enough. But I would say to anyone, if you read the book and you like it, read it again. You probably need to read it a couple times, and I plan on rereading it again and again. It's a book I want to buy as an audiobook because I can see myself, you know, going back and revisiting it over and over again. Loved it so much. Highly recommend. And I think, you know, if you really get immersed in the story, I would definitely call it at least fridge if at least fridge temperature. In a way, it got to the freezer for me just because I got so attached that I really physically got scared reading it. Um, and I just got to plug your interview with David Demchuk because I thought that was such a good interview. I loved hearing him talk about uh, the book and just getting to explain more about his story. I really think it adds a lot to kind of know his backstory as you're reading the book. But yeah, just highly recommend. Again, that's Red X by David Demchuk. Ooh, I might have to reread that on audio. You really do. Like I said, it's a book. And don't get me wrong, I liked it the first time. and Yeah. But the second time around, it was like, I could not stop reading it. It was a give my child a cookie and just let me go back to listening <laughs> to this book. I didn't want to do anything else, which is always a good sign when I turn into a bad mother. <laughs> it's all David's fault. Yeah. I'll blame you, David. All right. Well, my next pick is... Children of Chicago by Cynthia Palayo. This follows a homicide detective, obviously, in Chicago. And these murders keep popping up. But there's a familiar calling card that is the Pied Piper. And the homicide detective that we're following knows exactly what that is. She has a personal connection to this. And I'm saying, she's an ex- you are in her point of view, and she is extremely unlikable i say this because this is a criticism i see of the book all over the place is that um not only is she unlikable like she's immoral she is you know a dirty cop and so again i would like to get on my soapbox and say characters are not moral representations of the author because the author is choosing to write a morally gray or even bad character does not mean that these are the author's views but don't all characters in books have to be our best friends and be really good perfect people (laughs) i very much agree with you i'm glad you speak up about that because i say the same thing online all the time that i don't need characters to be my best friends and i find complex unlikable morally gray characters to be really interesting to read about would i hang out with them probably not but you know Yes, and it is just one of those things, I guess, because there's not someone else in the novel who is like, hey, you're not supposed to be doing that, that somehow that, I guess, means that the author thinks it's okay. Anyway, this is a whole... (laughs) 
thing. It's like, yeah, she does shady things. She is not a good person and even less of a good person, like as you go on reading the book, like, I don't know what to tell you. Um, But I just remember, first of all, I do like mysteries and this managed to blend you know kind of the mystery police investigation with horror in this like urban legend horror this like supernatural I say Candyman-esque because that is like also urban legend horror that is set in Chicago that I just get those vibes from this book I just feel like this book kind of nails those vibes and then she is so knowledgeable and one of the things she is extremely knowledgeable about is of fairy tales and folklore and that is something that really comes through in the book along with like Chicago history so I don't know I just really liked this and I read this like at the beginning of the year and I am still thinking about it like here close to the end of the year so that is Children of Chicago by Cynthia Palio that sounds so good and I was just gonna say it's a really good comp or comparison to the book I just talked about because that's another one where the city almost is another character in the book or really comes mm-hmm. to life I've never been to Toronto but David Demchuk really painted a picture of that and same thing I've never been to Chicago and for me just going on and on about a minute ago how I've read so many 2021 releases I shamefully have not read that one and I don't know why mm. so I'm, I'm keeping track of that that's gonna happen uh, so <laughs> that is my shame there The other book I want to talk about in terms of 2021 novels is The Book of Accidents by Chuck Wendig, probably a pretty popular one that most people are familiar with, but if you're not, it follows a family that moved to a new town to get a start. Specifically, they're moving back home to the father's house, or rather the grandfather's house who has passed away and left their house in his name. And you find out that the father of this family, his own father and him had a really difficult relationship. He was abusive. And so of course he's reluctant to then move back into his childhood home, but the rest of his family needs a start. The story's told in multiple perspectives and you find out very quickly that potentially the young son might have some sort of supernatural abilities. He makes friends with another person and the stakes just get really big. I describe this book as epic horror again that kind of almost lends itself to those that like something in the vein of like epic fantasy where you have again multiple points of view and the story is just really big in scale. So I really do see why people love um, so many of Stephen King's epic stories because this one definitely gave me similar vibes where you know that the stakes are really high and you get to see all these threads come together. This is a story that I think will most appeal to those that do enjoy a little bit of speculative fiction kind of going in. I know you mentioned that a moment ago, Stephanie, where this book at times feels like a bit fantastical or something else. And I don't want to give away too much of what is actually happening, but I personally love the twist because of my love for those other genres. And I really like this one. And particularly what I liked so much about it was how it dealt with the theme of generational abuse, because the way it was woven into the story was so smart and it wasn't simplified it wasn't what I expected and I just thought the author did a wonderful job dealing with a really complicated tricky issue in a really intelligent way so highly recommend that one if it sounds up your alley if you didn't read it this year again I know it was super buzzy but that is The Book of Accidents by Chuck Wendig and I know you love a lot of his other books Uh, I want to say the Blackbird series yes like I love Miriam Black yes I did not connect with this one as much just because I mentioned earlier I don't tend to connect to like very fantastical elements in stories that's okay and long books and like I think a lot of people love epic scale things 
I think I don't. I think I tend to connect to things better in a smaller scale. But I don't know. Like, I do enjoy Chuck Wendig as an author. Like I said, I loved the Miriam Black books. And a lot of people love this. You love this. Thanks. And I respect your opinion. So, <laughs> Why, thank you. Yeah, no, just send them, send all the epic giant horror books over to me. I've been really enjoying them lately. Nice. And I did want to mention one honorable uh, mention, who was another author I had on the podcast this year, but was a standout book. And that was Come With Me by Ronald Malfi, which again straddles the line between like, thriller, mystery, and horror. But it was just such an emotional book, a book that had me in tears and that I just really connected with. So I felt like it had to be talked about in this section, at least. I love that. And if we're also cheating, I'm going to um, do an honorable mention (laughs) for Chasing the Boogeyman by Richard Chismar, which is like a coming of age story mixed with a crime story, a mystery um, that's all fictional, but it reads as if it's nonfiction. And this is one I wasn't sure if I should include in the actual horror section, but Goodreads did put it in their Goodreads award category for horror. So I can count that one in. I know you read that one as well. And I loved it because because again, I'm learning, I'm learning this year, and if you want to talk about kind of what I learned that I like in reading, is I love when fiction mirrors real life and when you can't quite tell where, uh, again, the fiction stops and the real story began. And this is a case where the author puts himself in as a character, essentially telling this uh, story of this serial killer that was in his hometown and how... Uh, the police were trying to figure out what was happening and again it follows him throughout his life and it reads like a piece of true crime and specifically that memoir true crime that I personally prefer and it was so addicting and again it had those coming of age elements anyone who loves Stephen King's work and his kind of coming of age narrative will absolutely love this one I believe I saw this on your Instagram so I think you got a chance to read it as well but I uh, just want to yeah, stick that in there because I wasn't quite sure if it counted enough as horror. But I think even if it's not technically horror, it is a book I would absolutely recommend to anyone who loves those kind of books. Yeah, it was very good. I definitely I see what you mean with the Stephen King coming of age type story. I would say it was like that type of story. I would say very similar to like Stand By Me vibes. Like, let me tell you about the summer that, you know, my neighborhood or group of friends was really interested in this murder. Except in this case, it's like a serial killer. Exactly. And, but... and I think it's pretty well known, of course, that Richard Chismar, of course, is a friend of Stephen King. They've written books together. And he makes a lot of direct nods and references to Stephen King and reading his books within the story. So again, it's it's met on yeah. so many levels. And I, I just can't get yeah. enough of it. I was fangirling the whole time I was reading it. Did you have like, did you see that there was like the pictures just like a true crime story? Yes. Admittedly, I first did it on audio, but then I found out there's like a PDF to download. I do want to see the physical book though to really get to, yeah, like piece through. I love those details. I think it's so well done. And I made myself wait till the very end to find out what was fiction and what was fact. And I would recommend anyone to do the same thing. Like don't get Googling until you're all done the book because I thought the ending and the payoff and the reveal were so good. We talked about 2021 novels. Are we ready to get into some backlist books that stood out this year? Sounds good. You go first. I read Children of Red Peak by Greg DeLouis this year, and I gave it an easy five stars. This was I talked about it on the cult episode with Neil from the Talking Scared podcast and I think this, well, this follows a group of, well, now adults, but they were children in this death cult. 
and kind of the different paths that their lives have taken and they come together for one of their friends funerals and I think just the character work and how these different people have processed that specific trauma just really spoke to me in the different ways that can look and I think the nuances of a situation like that uh, was just very well done that sounds so good Um, The theme of my backlist novels is reading books that Stephanie read last year when they were new releases and finally getting to them this year. You're going to notice a little bit of a trend there. So the first backlist I want to mention is Tender is the Flesh, which is by an Argentinian author that I do not feel comfortable to pronounce her name online uh, because I'm going to get it wrong, but I absolutely love the work. Do you want to pop in there? Uh, I want to say Agustina Bastetica. Much better than I would have done. Thank you, Stephanie. Uh, So the book itself is a dystopian set in a future where animal meat has become inedible. You can no longer consume it. And so the government creates uh, special permissions to consume and produce this meat that they refer to as special meat, which you find out very quickly is actually human meat. And so we follow someone who works in the manufacturing plant. He himself is a bit of a vegetarian, just a little bit turned off by the process. And through the story, he gets gifted a special meat meat that has not been butchered yet and so he actually gets this young woman and the story becomes very complicated and it goes from there absolutely love it easily one of the darkest and most disturbing books I had read in a long time I read it right at the beginning of this year and the reason I didn't get to it last year is just quite frankly I didn't feel like I was in the headspace to tackle a book like that because I know from other people that if you're at all just having a rough time or needing a pick-me-up this is not the book to pick up it is (laughs) so disturbing and for whatever reason I remember as I was reading the book it was a morning where I was prepping something for the slow cooker and so it was like 8 a.m and I was like cooking ground beef on the stove while I was reading this book and I was just like what is wrong with me I was so turned off I'm still a meat eater today but if there ever was a book to make me question my consumption of meat this is it I will say that while this book definitely trends itself towards vegetarian and veganism I think it's done in a way that it's not judgy or preachy uh, regardless of your own personal choices with meat highly recommend again that it's tender as the flesh and it definitely deserves a place in the freezer stick it all the way in the back mm-hmm. oh my gosh yes i'm glad you finally got around to reading it because i knew this was a book you would like yeah as soon as you were describing it last year i knew i was gonna have to finally get to it so i was just preparing <laughs> myself for when i was ready to be destroyed which happened my next book is actually like an extreme horror novel which is uh that's new (laughs) yeah well the so this was a whole tiktok thing where i made that video on like books that were too disgusting for me to finish so one of the small presses that i mentioned was like hey like we could send you some more books and i said like yeah like what do you have by women and so they sent me like a small package with their like female authored extreme horror and one of them was reception by kenzie jennings which follows a woman who was in rehab and she gets permission to take a break from rehab to go to her sister's wedding. And it's in the mountains in this resort that her sister's fiance's family owns. But as they find themselves in this mountain resort that is very isolated with you know poor cell reception, they find that they are kind of trapped there and that possibly the fiance's family has 
ulterior, possibly cannibalistic motives. Oh my. Just a little bit. Maybe they're the ones on the menu tonight. Ooh, dot, dot, dot. I love that. I had never heard of this book before. It sounds extreme. I don't know if I want to say I'm going to read it or not. I don't know if I want to commit to saying that online. But it was just a big standout book for me. I I don't know. I really liked it. I could not put it down. And the ending, people will love it or hate it. Oh, well, now I definitely have to try it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I know what I'll be talking about next year on the podcast. Go ahead. <laughs> so that is Reception by Kenzie Jennings. So good. The last backlist novel I want to mention, I'll just briefly go with the synopsis because that is Only the Good Indians by Stephen Graham Jones, which follows a group of indigenous men from the Blackfoot tribe that years ago went on a hunting trip that went horribly wrong. And now they are possibly being haunted by the elk that was on that hunting trip. And just terrible things are starting to happen to them and things are maybe catching up with them. This is a book, of course, that again, that you talked about last year when it was a new release and I didn't get to it. And I'll be honest, when I said I didn't get to it, it was the fact that I didn't finish it when we were recording the podcast because it was a book I picked up and I love the prologue. And then I was just, for something about the way it's written, the narrative just wasn't quite working with my brain. So I put it down, but I was hearing such good things about it. So I picked up again, started it and was loving it, but couldn't quite connect. I tried it a third time on audio, flew through the book, became an absolute favorite of mine, and just really loved it. It is dark, gruesome. It also has amazing social commentary on what it is like to be an Indigenous man in North America. I thought it was so topical, and really just like this great novel. And finally, I was on the hype train a little bit late, but I was really happy that I took the time to see it through. So I got to say, it's a book that I think depending on how your brain works if it's like mine the audiobook experience might work a little bit better for some readers so if you're anyone who has not picked up that book or finished it highly recommend going back um, and yeah just seeing it through because it was such a good book and yeah very disturbing again another freezer book I apparently was in the mood for a lot of freezer books this year uh, but yeah that one is just just as good as you said it was going to be again that is Only the Good Indians by Stephen Graham Jones so it's funny because that was my experience too well I did finish it um as a digital like net galley copy and i enjoyed it but then we got an audiobook through libro fm and i reread it again on audio and i loved it on audio so similar to your red x experience that was my only good indians experience that's too funny and that's actually something a theme in my own reading this year is of the books i talked about a lot of my favorites most of these i've read several times this year which is really unique it's allowing myself to not just reread books but reread books i just read and for the most part like the reason that these books are on the list is that they just got better the more time i spent with them so i love that you had that same experience with only the good indians when we ready to talk about some novellas yeah Yes. Some shorter fare. Yes. So since you don't love the long epic horror <laughs> and prefer it in short, sweet packaging, what were some of your favorite novellas from this year? So one of my favorites was Things Have Gotten Worse Since We Last Spoke by Eric LaRocca. And this was another video that blew up on TikTok. This follows an online interaction between two women. It starts off with one woman listing a antique apple peeler and just the the way these women become involved romantically and then they have a 
specific type of kind of did pre, like digital this is the early 2000s but like this digital kind of dom sub relationship and they just kind of start pushing things to limits and it is disturbing i i read this in an hour and i just had to sit there and stare at the wall for a bit it's one of those reads that has to be one of the most polarizing books i've heard and this yes. is one admittedly i have not gotten to and kind of for that reason that i either see five star reviews across the board or people just saying what did i just read and it makes me just want to read it more of course you know when i see those reviews that are you know turned off and say it's you know too much i'm i'm always tempted to check it out for myself so it's definitely what I want to get to yeah it is like people love it or they vehemently hate it and you know what both are valid I love that uh one of my favorite novellas again was a more popular one came out by Tor Nightfire so you probably heard about it nothing but black and teeth by Cassandra Kaw this follows a group of wedding partiers that go off to rent a mansion in Japan before the actual wedding festivities are about to take place they go there to party to have a bachelor slash bachelorette party little do they know that perhaps there is a bride that was murdered or killed there and is now haunting the mansion and this book I love for a few reasons the fact is that it's a piece of survival horror and so it follows the tropes that I think we both love where you have a group of very unlikable characters in this case I've heard that's a criticism <laughs> of the book is that again these people are not going to be your friends um, but if you enjoy they're not each other's oh, friends oh exactly <laughs> they are a very dysfunctional group to begin with and so for me that makes it very enjoyable because you then have the breakdown of the family or friend group as they start to pair off and just fend for themselves as things get crazy and I really enjoyed it I think that while it's not necessarily trying to do anything that hasn't been done before in horror you can tell that the author has a love for the genre and a love of those tropes and of course for myself someone who's always been fascinated by Japan I am someone who really enjoys when those mythological elements get brought into the story and the references all of that I just honestly soaked it all up and really enjoyed it again that is nothing but black and teeth by Cassandra Kaw I thought it was just a lot of fun I thought so too and another one that is a beautiful cover art yes on this but yes this like I, w I would hesitate to call them a friend group they are just like a collective group of people that went on this trip <laughs> which I think you know added to the complexity like there's obviously nuance there there's history with certain characters and certain grudges and tensions that I think it played out mm -hmm. absolutely my next pick for novella is one that we both read uh, Goddess of Filth by V Castro this one again a ton of fun I feel like I've mentioned it in several episodes but I want to say I mentioned it um on the women in horror podcast that I did with the reading glasses ladies, which was a ton of fun. Uh, but this follows a, a group of girls who do kind of a seance the night before their graduation. And one of their friends seemingly gets possessed by an ancient Aztec spirit and things go crazy. I love this one so much. I, yeah, just would be gushing about it. You know, we basically had to share this pick pretty much because it's definitely yeah. one of my all-time favorites too. And I got to say, when I heard the synopsis, I felt like it was just a Stephanie book and arguably also a Rachel book too because it checks so many of my boxes. I love the possession narrative. And of course, the fact that, you know, it takes that kind of, again, possession and exorcist narrative, but it turns those tropes on their head and it's not quite as simple as it makes it out to be. And I thought it was so smart and feminist. Yes, I would say one thing. 
I've noticed in V. Castro's books that I've mentioned before is just she writes with this feminist rage. I love how you describe that. It just really comes through. And it's, sometimes it's like, you know what? That is. That is what it feels like. Thank you. Yeah. There's just an honesty to how she writes. And like she doesn't um, sugarcoat things or, you know, mm-hmm. kind of pull back, being afraid to say too much or anything. I, I think, yeah, there's just yeah, a ferocity to her writing that I really love. And I just want to read everything else that she has written and everything else she's going to write. Quite frankly, at this point, she definitely has a, a fan here as well. So just because it ties in really nicely. I also want to mention another novella that I think would be great for those of you that loved the Mexican inspiration behind Goddess of Filth and are looking for something else that maybe was a little more underhyped this year, and that is Weep, Woman, Weep by Marie Dublancy. This book is set in New Mexico in the States in a little small town where we're following um, different women of Mexican descent. In this town, supposedly, there is this Aztec goddess that is haunting them and causing all the women to uh, be sad and just be incapable of being happy. And so when the main character's friend loses her life, uh, the woman that we're following goes on this, uh, I guess, storyline and narrative to kind of seek out this goddess and reclaim her happiness. And it's just, again, basically all the same themes. It's a very different story, but at the same time, it's I think, again, we'll kind of hit on some of the points that people love about Goddess of Filth, where it's very feminist, uh, you know, really bringing back the power to women and very topical. And also, again, bringing in those cultural elements from an own voices perspective. So highly recommend that one. Again, for those of you that have kind of read all the really big buzzy releases and are looking for more, I would recommend, again, Weep Woman Weep by Marie de Blancy. I have to read that. I really think you'd like it. I'm putting that on my radar. All right. Well, are we ready to move on to the young adult category? Absolutely. You go ahead. First of all, I am absolutely trash for this series as a whole. So like how objective I am, I don't know because I'm all in on this. <laughs> Do tell. But one of my favorites was The Box in the Woods by Maureen Johnson. And this is part of the Truly Devious series, which follows Stevie Bell, who is this teen sleuth who goes to this exclusive boarding school in Vermont and, you know, uses her true crime, like Sherlockian deduction skills to solve murders, um, like cold cases. And in this book, she gets invited to a summer camp where there had been there's a cold case there where a few of the counselors got murdered several decades ago and like no one has solved it. And as kind of a PR stunt, she gets invited by this like subscription company, you know, to have her be a counselor and like, ooh, maybe she's going to solve the cold case. And she invites like some of her friends from boarding school and they're just they're just on the case, just like Scooby-Doo style. And I just love it. That sounds so fun. <laughs> like I said, I'm trash for this. Like <laughs> no judgment here. Anything that that comes out that's set in this world. I'm I'm here for <laughs> We all have those series. I will never judge yeah. you. But came out this year. I also really liked Small Favors by Erin Craig. I don't want to say too much about it because I feel like I might have known too much going into it um, inspiration wise. So I feel like when certain characters got introduced, I was like, okay, so this is going to be like this type of character. And I wasn't always right. But (laughs) I just want to say like go into this maybe not knowing too much this is another beautiful book and again kind of historical fiction set in 
I don't know if I would say like Puritan times, but definitely like 1800s. There wasn't really a set time, but like around there, you know, in this like small community, you're following this girl who's like, uh, dad is an apiarist and just stuff starts happening to the town, kind of like all these little tragedies and how the the town starts to break down and like neighbor starts to turn against a neighbor. That's always fun. Type of deal. So how about you? Yeah, for myself, if we're talking 2021 YA, uh, my pick would be Hold Back the Tide by Melinda Salisbury. And this is a story that you want to go into, again, kind of like yours, not knowing too much about it. So I'll leave the synopsis short, saying that it's about a young woman or girl, teenager, who is living with her father. And right at the beginning of the story, I mean like the first chapter, she tells us, the reader, that she is living with a killer. She is aware that her mother disappeared one night and the town just believes that she left in the middle of the night she is gone but she was there that night and she heard and saw what happened between her mother and father and so she is left in the home with her father and she's afraid to tell anyone and she's left there from that synopsis you probably think that this is more of a thriller but I will say it's definitely a horror book but I will maybe disagree with other reviewers that I'm hesitant to give away what that horror element is. So I think it's fair to warn someone and say, expect there to be something horrific or, you know, there's a reason it's classified this way, but I will leave that to the reader to discover what that is. Really like this one. Um, it's set um, in the UK and it just has a really interesting perspective. I'm always a sucker for any kind of a, you know, I'm living with a killer setup. Like just from the first page, I was into it. And I actually really like the twists and turns and where it went in terms of the horror. Again, I just can't say why. But if you know some of my favorite books, you'll notice that there's one book that this is very similar to that I can't compare to without spoiling it all. <laughs> but trust me, if you have similar taste to me, you'll probably really enjoy this one as well. I also want to give a quick shout out to a backlist book that I just finished the morning of recording this and uh, I believe you've already read this one Stephanie but for those of you that have not I highly recommend it it is The Dark Descent of Elizabeth Frankenstein by Kristen White and oh my goodness I loved it it is kind of a retelling of Frankenstein but told from the perspective of a young girl named Elizabeth who was adopted by Frankenstein's family and so she has a sort of friendship relationship with Victor as he is growing up and it becomes very complicated their relationship is very toxic and very claustrophobic and it's just an incredible piece of character work I always say that I don't like gothic fiction I don't like historical fiction and so the fact that this very character driven story worked so well for me is really a testament to how well it is written I just loved it gave it five stars and can't stop thinking about it I do need to give warnings it's definitely dark and gruesome and horrific and definitely again deserves to go in the freezer but what a surprise and I think for those of you like myself that don't always love the YA tropes of you know the classic love interest the you know love triangle all of that this book really circumvented all of the classic tropes that typically turn me off of the reading within this age group I loved it so much Ooh, I'm so glad you liked it because that was I think one of my favorites I don't remember which year but yes I think definitely a standout so good YA horror 
a backlist for me, one that I think we ended up kind of reading around the same yes. time this year was Horrid by Katrina Leno. This is about a mother and daughter who move into the mother's kind of ancestral home that's falling apart. And I am a sucker for those types of stories, first of all. But second of all, I think we both enjoyed how this didn't fall into the trap of several cliches. Yes. Like they were presented like she would you know meet this group of friends and i'm like oh great like they're gonna bully her because she's like the new kid in school and you know like that didn't happen or like people would get introduced and you know you would automatically think like okay so like this is what's gonna happen and that wouldn't happen um so it was very interesting and of course another one with really good cover art yes i was just gonna say that might win cover art for the year if we were to give out an award for that (laughs) it's definitely a favorite of mine it's so gorgeous that is horrid by katrina Love it. From there, do you have a pick for a favorite short story collection or anthology? Yes, I actually didn't read too much of that this year as opposed to other years. But um, a single author collection that I really liked this year was Unfortunate Elements of My Anatomy by Haley Piper. There was just a lot of range in this collection. Like there was, you know, darkly humorous stories. There was horrific stories. And they just, I loved them. Like the one of the ones I loved was called like, I'm not a chainsaw kind of girl, which I want to say, forgive me if I get the stories mixed up, but it is about um, a girl who is kind of frustrated seeing her friends have like crappy boyfriends and kind of like takes matters into her own hands. (laughs) The opening story for this one was great of course now the story titles themselves are escaping me but I just really liked like I said the range in these stories some of these stories had a lot of heart um, and of course like Haley Piper writes a lot of queer themes in her stories if you know her as an author so of course that is also very present uh, in this collection and I just had a lot of fun with it So that is Unfortunate Elements of My Anatomy by Haley Piper. Perhaps my greatest poor shame at the moment is that I am yet to read any Haley Piper, but I will correct that, add that to my 2022 goals because I've heard nothing but amazing things about her. She's really doing incredible things in the genre from what I understand, and I need to be in on it. So let me segue here to graphic work because my short story collection is technically more of a manga. And for those of you that know my taste, surprise, surprise, I'm talking about Love Sickness by my favorite horror manga author, Junji Ito. And this is his newest, at least translated in 2021 to English, uh, manga that was my personal favorite of this new work that he brought out this year. Uh, the main story, the title one, Love Sickness, follows a town where people ask their fortune at the street corners and then based off of the results, often they go off to kill themselves if they are not happy with the results of whether or not they'll find true love. Yes. So Junji Ito is definitely an optimist. Lovely story, but it was so well done. The buildup, the climax, it was fantastic. There's another story where it's almost a take on phantom pain, but instead of the pain being in their body, it is the home they're themselves so it's almost a twist on like a haunted house story there's another one that deals with body image which again for those of you that are looking for uh, you know maybe some to counteract a lot of the fat phobia that we do find in fiction I thought that was a really topical one and just loved it if you're not familiar with his work you have to actually go and crack open a book because it is weird and gruesome and just some of the strangest but most beautiful in the creepiest way possible uh, artwork you will ever see 
The other uh, graphic work I want to mention while we're in the category here is After the Rain by Nedia Korafor. And this follows a woman of Nigerian descent who one day opens up her door and finds a boy with a severe head wound there. He proceeds to touch her and then from there she seems to be cursed. And the only way to become uncursed and to get her life back is to embrace her culture. So it's definitely, of course, a book that deals with a lot of, again, social commentary, cultural themes. She is uh, bringing in her own voices perspective. But for anyone who is wondering, yes, it is also a horror novel and it is a terrifying one. It is dark and gruesome and brutal. And the artwork is done in these big, bold colors, which I think, again, fits the theme and the inspiration. Again, that Nigerian uh, color palette just fit the story so well. And I do feel like this one's a little bit of a sleeper hit because most of the time Nedia Korfor is most known for writing um, more, again, kind of science fiction fantasy. And so the fact that she wrote a horror novel, I feel like it just didn't get the attention it deserved online. So highly recommend for any of those that love the graphic work, um, you know, area of fiction. I need to read more of that next year. I honestly might put that for the 2022 reading challenge. I'm basically just making goals as we go along. <laughs> Let's be honest. All right. Well, pivoting to non-horror fiction books, a book that ruined my life. I'm just kidding. But it was a very intense emotional read was My Dark Vanessa by Mary Elizabeth Russell, our mutual friend, Laura, also like previous guest host on the show. Uh, but really liked this book and it was really I don't want to say fun but like kind of messaging her throughout with like my thoughts um, this is also a big book talk book but if you don't know this is about a woman who was sexually abused by a teacher at her boarding school and um, years later like she's an adult and another woman has come forward um, about that teacher it's basically about this woman coming to terms calling it what it was because you know she's still in that mind of like oh no but it was consensual but I wanted it like I liked the attention so it was an affair and it is rough it is rough to be in her perspective and be like honey no <laughs> And to just read these chapters. So all the trigger warnings for that kind of situation at all. And I think this was uh, hard for me personally um, because I had a close friend who, you know, very recently came forward about our youth pastor Ooh. and the truth about, you know, what was done to her when we were teens. No. And then several more women came forward and it was like... Wow. So this was an interesting reading experience for me. <laughs> That's definitely one I've had my eye on for a while. So again, probably one I'll pick up next year for sure. In terms of non-horror, I tried to pick ones that were at least horror adjacent or might appeal to those of you that are listening as horror readers yourself. So for a fantasy pick, I want to go with Swashbucklers by Dan Hanks, which is orb, sorry, which is urban horror. Sorry, I don't know why I'm tripping now. 
which is urban portal fantasy. It is set in a small town where back in the 1980s, there was supposedly this gas leak that caused everyone to hallucinate and see monsters. However, the kids at that time think that things might have actually been happening. It might have actually been real. And now as adults, they were turning back to the town because someone else has died and they believe that the monsters are back. And since no one else believes them, they have to go and fight the monsters themselves. So the reason I want to recommend this one is that it definitely sounds like the setup of the new Stephen King book or Stranger Things or something along those lines. But technically, it's written as fantasy. It doesn't have that darker tone. And it's much more fun and entertaining. But absolutely, the author clearly makes nods and winks to the classics to Stephen King. And so I definitely recommend that one if you're open to trying something that feels like horror, feels like the coming of age kids fighting the evil narrative, but is actually something a little bit different. That again is Swashbucklers by Dan Hanks. That sounds fun. It's really fun. I even I think you might enjoy it again. Like it's basically Stranger Things, but it doesn't feel like a ripoff. It's done in a way that feels so fresh and entertaining for sure. Uh, my next pick is Razorblade Tears by S.A. Cosby. And this follows, well, this starts off with a, you know, interracial gay couple who are murdered. One of them was a journalist and you are following their respective fathers who are kind of rough and they both admittedly did not have the greatest relationships with their sons you know definitely have regrets about where their relationship left off when they died but essentially these two dads team up together to hunt down who killed their sons and they both are like one of them is a felon and they are just bringing their respective skills to get justice for their dead gay sons that is such a fantastic setup. And I think, you know, after reading The Changeling last year by Victor Laval, I'm always looking for more like dad books. And so that is just fantastic. I still need to read that one again, add it to the list. So, yeah, I mean, there, there's obviously homophobia in it. But I would say, you know, that is part of the plot is these dads kind of coming to terms with their prejudices that they had and how that stopped them from being fathers and kind of dealing with these regrets and how you know, their different cultures and, you know, toxic masculinity ideals played into this driving a wedge between them and their sons. So it was just really good. Like, I'm like, I want to see this movie. Oh, that sounds really fun. I somehow I missed the synopsis for that when I saw the cover all online everywhere, but somehow didn't know what it was about. The other book I want to talk about is False Witness by Karen Slaughter, which is a straight up thriller, but definitely I think those that love Karen Slaughter, often there's a lot of overlap with uh, horror fans as well, since her books tend to be very dark, huge content warnings of this one for sexual assault, for violence, for everything, quite frankly. But it follows two sisters who years ago when they were young teenagers, something happened, they did something, and they kept it a secret. However, as adults, they are still dealing with the consequences. One of the sisters is a lawyer, and she's asked to represent someone in a sexual assault case. And you find out that that person may know what they did when they were children and it's coming back to haunt them. And I will say from that synopsis, I thought it was going to be a pretty typical thriller. But oh my goodness, this one was just so well written, so well plotted. The relationship between the sisters is amazing. The prologue alone hooked me into the book. If you are thinking about reading this book, just read the pro prologue. And quite frankly, if you're not hooked in, 
Um, I don't know what will hook you in because I think it's one of the best I've <laughs> I've read. And the rest of the story was just as good. It was just a page turner. And I've read Karen Slaughter before and always respected and liked her books. But this is the one that really turned me into a fangirl that I want to read everything else she puts out because it was just so addictive, so dark and disturbing and just checked every box of what I was looking for for a thriller this year. So highly recommend that is a yeah 2021 release false witness by karen slaughter and loved it so much okay so i know you've been talking about this one uh to me and also brandon at baker reads who is a big like horror book talker also talked about this being like one of his favorites this year he's like a huge karen slaughter fan um has really made me want to pick it up i really think you'll like it yeah it's so good quickly another thriller uh 2021 release that i loved was bathhouse by pj vernon um this was so this follows this kind of like dysfunctional gay couple and one of them at the opening is cheating on his out-of-town husband uh, by going to a bathhouse where he almost gets murdered. He, like, narrowly escapes with his life. Um, but now he is being kind of stalked by the man who tried to kill him. And he basically, like, he can't come clean to his husband. So it's, like, this snowballing lie, like, all of these things, like, everything, like, the tensions are getting higher, like, the lies are getting bigger. And this was just, like, such an intense book. I could not put it down. And I was on vacation at, like, my in-law's house where everything was noisy, like, there wasn't a quiet place, and I was still, like, glued to the story. Oh, that sounds so good. That one I don't know too much about, but you definitely got me intrigued. So that is Bathhouse by PJ Vernon. Nice. So we should be finished out our recommendations with some nonfiction if we have time. Of course. I read a lot of nonfiction this year and a lot of it was five stars for me. Um, starting off with The Anthropocene reviewed by John Green. This was an essay collection um, where John Green just talked about different things and kind of rates them at the end on certain scales um oh this was just heartwarming I do like John Green I know that's very like millennial of me but I do like I really liked The Fault in Our Stars and this just totally brought me back to have such a, a personal reflective essay collection um and it is just like random things like random things in nature that he kind of goes and writes this whole essay on like he writes a whole essay on lawns um and makes it personal did you say there was one about lawn care well you know in his way where he's like you know this is the concept of lawn care and like let me tell you about like you know where this standard came from but you know what like let me make this personal in that me doing this you know he has a way of tying it all back into like a personal anecdote and make it somehow heartwarming and reflective if not informative only john green could make lawn care personal and emotional (laughs) you got me intrigued for sure Uh, for myself i want to talk about victim f uh, from crime victims to suspects to survivors by denise hutchins and aaron quinn and this is technically true crime but i will say as the title suggests it's much more victim focused so the short is that there was this uh, case or situation happened where uh, there's this boyfriend and girlfriend they wake up in the early morning to find themselves surrounded by these men in mass they go about kidnapping them um, and you find it right at the beginning they end up releasing the girl um, or 
sorry, and you find out right away that they end up releasing the guy and that he is accused of having kidnapped his own girlfriend. And then when she is finally released, and again, it's told from their perspective, so you know they both get out. Uh, she is then accused of being a real life gone girl and the police just don't believe their story. They think it's all made up. And it's a really crazy story. And it's one that while it's told from the perspective of the victims, I had to go and look up myself because it just didn't seem real. It seems so over the top, yeah. so unbelievable. It's really a case you just have to look up. And so specifically this book, again, it's less focused on the crimes and more focused on them as how they were victimized, not only by the original perpetrators, but then also by the police and how they weren't believed until all the evidence kind of came out. So it's a compelling story for sure. And definitely one of the strangest true crime books I have read. Again, just feels unbelievable. Um, but I did a lot of fact checking before I talked about it online for sure. Yeah, that does sound wild. My next two picks are by the same author. One of them is a 2021 release. The 2021 release is Cultish, the language of fanaticism, where Amanda Montel, who is a linguist, kind of breaks down similar language patterns that different cults or I know she's hesitant. And a lot of people who study cults are hesitant to use the word cults. I think they've pivoted to high control groups uh, as kind of the moniker. I didn't know that was the thing to say. I mean, you could still say cult, but I think it's just one of those things where it's like, oh, well, it's not technically a cult, but you know, there's a lot of things that are high control groups. Ah, okay, got yeah. it. Gotcha. Um, but I mean, she goes into different, obviously famous cults, but then kind of moving into like, what are what are some modern cults today, like Peloton, or like. Um, like kind of these fun like not fun but these like social things like mlms like what are the language that they use to kind of keep you as part of this group not that peloton is like kidnapping you and like making you a part of this group but kind of this like exclusive language and like kind of membership tiers and different things like that but in this one she's more focused on language and how a lot of these groups not so much like the social ones i mentioned um but like legit high control groups, mm -hmm. you know, have these languages that are like thought stopping sentiments to kind of not have you push any further. Like if you're like me and you grew up religious, you know that there are certain questions you can't ask because, well, you just got to have faith. Like, you know, and that stops you. You can't ask any more questions because you just got to have faith. That sounds so good. I really want to check that out. I know I keep saying that, but that one sounds right up my alley. Um, another book she wrote that I read earlier this year is Word Slut, A Feminist Guide to Taking Back the English Language. Love it. And this, yes, I love it too. <laughs> but she's obviously a linguist, um, but this is all a, a book about feminist language and historically how like feminine things tend to be degraded or devalued. Like there's certain terms where the male and female equivalent were of equal respectability, but you look at terms now like master and mistress and they have very different connotations when originally they both meant like masters mm. but those are not the connotations we have for those words today not so much i'm intrigued no and very intrigued it was very fascinating and kind of like the demonization or writing off of very feminine vocal tics like vocal fry or filler words is unnecessary that just sounds really interesting for sure it was very fascinating. Ah, 
So that was Word Slut, a feminist guide to taking back the English language and cultish, um, the language of fanaticism by Amanda Montel. And my other pick for nonfiction is The Babysitter, My Summers with a Serial Killer by Liza Rodman, which is about a woman who years later finds out about a man who went to jail. He was convicted of being a serial killer. And she realizes that that same man was her childhood babysitter, as the title suggests. (laughs) And while the story, for the most part, it's told over a few perspectives, of course, her reflecting back and recounting the time when she was a child and her experiences with this person. But this is also a story of her relationship with her mother, who is not the most likable person because when she told her mother this and you know revealed the shocking news her mother said well what was the problem he didn't kill you so you can tell really really nice mother lovely so I will say a few things just to set your expectations right for those that are going to pick this up that uh, nothing happened to uh, the woman that's telling this story in terms of like Um, any kind of assault or nothing like that. So it's more disturbing in the way that he appears to be a very normal uh, babysitter and adult in her life. And then you find out in a different perspective what he was actually doing alongside that and his life, uh, you know, murdering all these victims. And so again, it's kind of that um, story where it's scary because of the normalcy of it. And then the other part of the story is very focused on this woman and her relationship with her mother, who again is a very difficult mother to have. And so it's really her coming to terms with not having the warm and fuzzy mother that everyone would, you know, assumingly wish they would have. Uh, So again, not completely focused on the serial killer elements themselves, but they're woven into the story. So if you, again, if you're like me and like a true crime story that is heavily written through a memoir narrative that makes it read a little bit more like fiction, I would definitely recommend, again, The Babysitter by Liza Rodman. I saw this one around um, Instagram and I was intrigued, but that does sound very interesting. Another one I think you would like. I know I keep saying that, but I do mean it, I swear. All right, well, do we want to pivot to our tried and true books in the freezer tradition? Chilling obsessions. Yes, please. Yeah. Okay, so on Shudder, I've been watching this series. There's new episodes released every week, and it's called Behind the Monsters. And they are this little documentary series all about legendary horror villains and basically how they got their start and their cultural impact and they kind of interview people within the horror sphere talking about the cultural impact and also people that you know were on the set and helped create um this movie and this villain um so so far they've had episodes on chucky jason freddy and Candyman, and it has been fascinating like I get so excited when there's a new episode of this series that sounds so good I love behind the scenes like anything media and the fact that it's horror is amazing so what about you what have you been enjoying so I will always admit that I tend to read a lot more horror than I consume in terms of watching but I do have this really hidden horror gem movie that no one else has heard about online that I just watched over Halloween called Hereditary I know no one on the internet has heard of it I know you're shocked uh so I got to watch that for the first time absolutely loved it uh it was so well plotted it was gruesome it was dark uh I won't give away but I'll say the one awkward thing we watched it with some friends and we had the scene where they were driving in the car and stuff happens and then suddenly I got 
my stomach was just rumbling and I was like, I'm so hungry. So right after that scene happened, <laughs> I ran upstairs and made myself a big bowl of ice cream and really just sat there eating it with my friends. They're like, what's wrong with you? I was like, I was really hungry. They're like, after seeing that, I was like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that is my one uh, chilling obsession. But to go with something equally underhyped, I also convinced my husband to try out Squid Games on Netflix. And we just finished binging through that series there. And I was a bit skeptical going into it at first just because I wasn't sure if it was just going to feel like a ripoff of Battle Royale or The Hunger Games. But I think because the character work was done so well and you just can't help but put yourself in the character's shoes, I did find it really compelling. And it's definitely the kind of show you need to be in the right mood for, for sure. There were nights that we wanted to watch an episode, but, you know, maybe we were a bit stressed from work or whatnot. And you, we'd be like, oh, let's watch it tomorrow night. So it's, again, it's, it's not one of those lighthearted, put in the same category as something like Tender as the Flesh, that it's absolutely horrific and you need to be in the mood to be just devastated and destroyed every single episode. But you know what? I jumped on the hype train for that one and ended up paying off. We had a lot of fun with it. I don't know about the ending. Uh, everyone has different opinions on it, but don't regret watching those nine episodes. I thought it was a lot of fun. Oh, I'm so happy to hear you watched Hereditary finally. I know. <laughs> it, it took long enough. So you understood my Halloween outfit this Yes, year. I loved it. Oh, I laughed so much when you showed us uh, your TikTok for that. It was fantastic. And I was happy to be in the know for once about a movie reference. Did I tell you, um, when I watched that, I had had a conversation with my mom like a few days later. And she's like, oh, have you been watching anything good? And I was like, yeah, I watched this movie I really liked called Hereditary. Not thinking that she was going to go like watch it <laughs> right away, which she did. Um, and she called me the next day and she was like, do you hate me? <laughs> Like she just randomly picks it up and she knows your taste it's not going to be something warm and fuzzy I mean it could be but well I still don't know if she was talking asking if I hate her because it was a horror movie or because of the like maternal oh, yeah. themes in the yeah movie. if you're subtly so always kind of laying yeah. some groundwork down Oh, that's like, funny. Are you trying to tell me that you resent me? <laughs> yeah. Is there a deeper meaning behind this movie recommendation? <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah, because that has some heavy themes about motherhood. And I love that. I love horror mm -hmm. that intersects with motherhood. It's something I can't get enough of. It's complicated. Do we have final girl songs? Yes, I feel like I get to update or redeem myself from last year and uh, replace Destiny's Child with a new pick. Although, arguably, I feel like I'm still going to embarrass myself uh, because this year I'm going with Stronger by Kanye West. And I'm going to not start singing it now because no one wants to hear that. But I'm just going with the, you know, it's a tried and true survivor song. And, you know, it's my anthem right now. Gotta go with that. That don't kill you just makes you stronger. <laughs> But the song I can't stop thinking about for some reason. It's not a new song. Um, I don't feel like lyrically it really fits in here, but it's Fell in Love with a Girl by the White Stripes. Interesting. Yeah, the scene I have in mind is kind of like a Nancy from um, A Nightmare on Elm Street, like kind of prepping for the final attack, like laying down traps, like arming yourself but also maybe taking like a break to put on some silly sunglasses and like make faces in the mirror like this is a very silly um like 2000s era horror movie that i'm creating in my mind I love for it. this song <laughs> that's so good <laughs> and are you still collecting all the songs on spotify if anyone wants to check out the playlist i am so people can check that out 
there. Yes, I think I have it bookmarked in my Spotify. It is the most eclectic group of songs, and I absolutely <laughs> love it. It's the best idea you've added to the podcast. I adore this so much. Well, just because they're all over the place. Like some of them, you know, there's a lot of kind of sillier songs, and then there's like kind of the fighting songs, and there's like the nihilistic songs, and then there's kind of like end credits songs. So it is just a different mood all over the place but I love it (laughs) oh exactly okay well thank you so much again for coming on and doing our annual tradition thanks so much this was so much fun as always and if all works out I'd love to be back next year so I'll have to get busy reading and get on to those 2022 goals for horror books you better get on it now (laughs) no pressure (laughs) well I will definitely talk to you before end of the year next Ooh, year but... <laughs> i'm relieved this is the only time we ever speak, yeah actually, we're, we're not friends anymore <laughs> we can create all the good gossip online about our terrible friend breakup and getting all the tabloids oh yeah Sorry, all those there's... tabloids that are really into a niche uh genre book podcast oh, drama. they better exist <laughs> yeah i'd be impressed if someone could start that rumor online uh, they'll get bonus points All right. Well, thank you again. I love talking favorites with you. Thanks so much. Uh, For anyone, if you're looking to find me the rest of the year, you can search on YouTube for The Shades of Orange, where I review a lot of horror as well as filler, science fiction, and fantasy. Otherwise, if all goes well, I'll be back next year to talk about our 2022 favorites. Talk to you all then. Books in the Freezer is a bi-weekly podcast. We post episodes every other Tuesday. You can find us on Twitter at Books Freezer Pod, on Instagram at Books in the Freezer, at Facebook at Facebook.com slash Books in the Freezer, or even on TikTok on Books in the Freezer. You can also send us an email at Books in the Freezer at gmail.com. If you would like to support the podcast, there are a few ways to do that. One of them is to go to Patreon at patreon.com slash books in the freezer, where there are three different tiers, a one, three, and five dollar tiers, and a recently added option um, for a one-time like annual payment to support the podcast all year long. And I think it saves you 15%, I want to say, if you decide to go that route. Um, But check it out. We have a lot of different cool things for each tier from like early episode releases to like group chats to movie nights and bonus episodes and a bunch of stuff so if that interests you at all definitely check it out another way to support the podcast is to use the amazon link that is in the show notes and an option where you don't have to spend any money and you can still support the podcast is to talk about it to share about it on social media or leave a review on a site like apple podcasts all those things help a lot and a big thank you to all of you who have already done that i'm stephanie you can find me on twitter at lady underscore kanya that's l-a-d-y underscore g-a-g-n-o-n or on instagram at that's what she read and that's that's with two a's Thank you, and see you next time on Books in the Freezer.